Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday, Big Ten ACC Challenge tonight, Penn State and Wake Forest in the Jordan Center. That'll be a 9-15 tip-off tonight. And we really can on the network go to the quarter hour, so we're going to start at 8.30 this evening. And don't forget, Santa is 6-7 to tonight. All right, so let's get to our play-by-play call today. Lonnie Walker, Redding Zone, hits a late one. How about this one? San Antonio beats Houston. Right corner, Walker. Couple of dribbles to the right wing for three. He got it again. Lonnie Walker's got 27. And the Spurs lead 118-115. The largest lead for the Spurs tonight, three. And they won it 135-133 to in double overtime over the Rockets. That was a late fourth quarter triple from Lonnie Walker, who uh, out of Redding, Ended up going to Miami, going into the draft as a one-and-done and being a first-round pick. All right. Now let's get to tonight's game. Wake Forest comes in with a record of 5-3 and three on the season. Believe it or not, let, I'll give you a comparison. Ohio State tonight plays at North Carolina. This will be the eighth game of the season for Ohio State. The other seven games were all in Columbus. They haven't been on the road once until tonight when they play play North Carolina. Now let's look at Wake Forest. This will be the sixth consecutive game they played away from home. Now they just came off a tournament, a three-game tournament in Anaheim. That's part of it. But they'll play Penn State tonight. So with that, we bring in Connor O'Neill, beat writer for the Winston-Salem Journal. Connor, welcome. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, I actually could listen to more people who are comparative to Barry Sanders and elusiveness. I, I would think there'd be more players since then that have been elusive. Uh, probably have been. I don't know if you call Zeke Elliott elusive. He kind of rolls through you. Uh, so you know, I kind of felt that way when I when I did the games uh, with Penn State and Ohio State. All right. Yeah. So. Let's uh, get to uh, Wake Forest. They're 5-3, and three, and I watched the game on Sunday night with Arizona when they played in Anaheim. I thought they gave a good account of themselves for the most part. Let's start with, with Childress. Uh, now offensively, he's got, he'll be the focal point of what's going on. Where has he become a better player? Um, really, uh, he, he had been a backup for his first two seasons, and last year he really kind of took the reins uh, out of necessity. Uh, and he and he did well with it. I mean, he went from a you know sixteen to twenty minute a game kid who could get hot occasionally to a dependent ball handler who can distribute and involve others. Um, 
Now the the next step of that improvement, and if you watch the last five minutes of the Arizona game, yes. you can probably point this out, is he needs to involve others when, when it matters and play within the offense and not try to make everything into hero ball. Right, and that's that's what I thought. against. He didn't trust anybody else. And, right, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's a talented team, and you can trust other guys on the team. It's not there's not a void in talent like you might have pointed at two years ago. Right. Um, Which means let's talk about some of the talent. Olivier Saar doesn't start, but he plays starter minutes. I mean, let's face it. What about his development? Because he is a little bit different for a big guy. He can actually step back, he can shoot it, and he can finish inside. Yeah, he his development uh, has really shot up in the last six games. Uh, his first two games of the year were just atrocious from a standpoint of he was doing everything wrong that he had done for the first two years and he was still doing it and that's not what you want from a junior center but he has gotten so much better since he's come off the bench and I think it's more mental at this point than it is a a physical thing of you know I'm not starting I'm going to go in there and get mine it's more of you know he's not looked at as a starter so he knows that the, maybe the pressure is off him a little bit that's not the case but maybe it's the way he thinks um, but yeah he, he can face up he's he's from France so he's got a little bit of the European right. still in his game um, and he's got a really smooth 15 to 18 foot jump shot and where it's really developed is it's it's gotten the release and the, the turnaround on the low post you know catch and shoot a 15 footer from the from the baseline has gotten so much quicker, and it's still fundamental in the last couple of years. Saar and Brown, talking about Chandi Brown, mm-hmm. average, I'm telling the audience, not you. <laughs> Sometimes you got to make sure where the audience is. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, what? Who? All right. uh, between them, average 26 points a game and almost 16 rebounds a game. But they're bench players. Why has Danny Manning decided to use utilize them as bench players? So with, with Sar, uh, it's for those reasons. It's, I think it's a mental thing with with Olivier. With Sean D, he missed a game. Uh, they're actually probably their best win of the season is the game down at Charlotte against Davidson. Yes. Um, and Sean D missed that game. They they blew out Davidson. That twelve point margin is is pretty misleading. It was a twenty to twenty five point game for the last ten to twelve minutes of the game. Right. And Sean D didn't even play in that game. And he went into that game averaging fifteen point eight and nine point eight. And he had a foot injury in practice that kept him out of the game. So you you do that and and you you go to Davidson and and just beat the crap out of him for for the second half. And you're like, well. Okay, let's keep Sean D coming off the bench where we've got Tory Johnson. Tory Johnson's a six year player, right. transferred in from Northern Arizona and played last year. He's serviceable. He's never gonna be an explosive twenty twenty five point guy, but he, he's gonna do his job and fill his role and, and his role four games ago meant that he was gonna start and he's played really well against Davidson and he accounted for himself just just like you said about the overall team he accounted for himself in the three games of the wooden legacy so I'm not sure you take him out of the lineup at this point and as long as you're putting Sean D. Brown out there for 25 to 30 minutes he's going to help you right no question he's yeah but he's hit a little bit of a slump he's seven for his last 23 from the field uh coming in so that goes to the point you were making I want to ask you now about 
Adrian White and about Tory Johnson. They are the two transfers, and in this era, everybody has transfers. Right? <laughs> everybody does. What have they added to the lineup? Um, so we, we were told in the preseason that they could run the point. We haven't really seen that play out. They're, they're both more of two guards, and Andrian has the size to, to step out and guard a three if he needs to, but they're, they're really basically two guards that can knock down occasional shots. Andrian is a little better of a three-point shooter than Torrey is. Right. Um, now he leads the team in threes made. Oh wow! I, I would have guessed Childress. <laughs> not not having I, looked at that stat recently. I, actually, they're tied. So okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it, and you know they're they're not going to be huge difference makers. They're not going to go out and and light somebody up. They're not going to draw double teams every time they touch the ball. Nothing like that. But but they're serviceable and they can hit the open shots. They can get people in the right places and. More than anything for this Wake team, they need to play defense, and they've been doing a lot better job of that than they did um, in two of those first four games when they lost at Boston College and at Charlotte. Right. And and that's really that's that's kind of been the Achilles heel for every single team under Danny uh, since he's been at Wake, and this is his sixth season. This is also Andrian White, by the way, uh, has taken 17 fewer threes to get his. 12 makes this year. As that, to, that part makes sense. As opposed to Brandon Childress. Uh, this will be the sixth straight game that Wake... I'll give you an example. Ohio State tonight goes to Chapel Hill. It is the first time in eight games Ohio State has not played at home. Okay. Yeah. All right. Conversely, there's Wake. This will be the sixth consecutive game that played away from Joel Coliseum. Uh, what about... A, that scheduling, because obviously there's a tournament, the, the Anaheim tournament, but are, are, when you hear that, normally a Power 5 team is not in that spot where they're playing that many road games. Yeah, and um, you know, they didn't even play a public exhibition. They played two closed doors. So really the only time the home fans have been able to watch the team has been those second and third games of the year against the low to mid-majors. Um yeah, I mean, the the ACC did something kind of quirky to open with an ACC game this year, and Wake, just the hand that they got dealt, they opened on the road at BC. And um, and then you factor in the tournament, and then the Big Ten ACC Challenge this week puts them at Penn State. And, um, and that's just a luck of the draw, because Penn State, yeah, that, yeah, cause Penn State, for example, for the second straight year in the Gavit games, played at Georgetown. So, I mean, that happens. So the and then you start looking at the the two trips down to the Charlotte area. You know, one of them was at Charlotte, and then the other one was the game against Davidson was at the Hornets Arena. And both of those teams were were home and homes, and Wake played both of them at home last year, so it was okay. their turn to go on the road this year. So it's just it's it's something that isn't ideal, but it's also something that uh, the the fan base down here is not all that happy and that's probably the understatement of of your show today <laughs> i feel confident saying that but um but yeah it's home home court advantage has kind of lost its meaning at wake wow that's a big statement um so danny manning is what in year six year six yeah what is the thought process on danny manning to this point and where he is with the program uh, 
I mean, they need to win, and they need to win a lot, and they need to take some serious steps forward. Um, they're coming off back-to-back 11 and 20 seasons. Both of those seasons had four and 14 records in the league. Um, really, the only successful season Wake has had was three years ago, um, and that was with John Collins, who was a top 20 pick. That's and right. they went, they went 19 and 14 that year. Finished, I think, nine and nine or eight and 10 in the ACC, and were the 10th seed in the ACC tournament. And you're talking about having a. I don't know if you you call it a generational talent, but certainly the most talented player Wake has had uh, in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And you're only able to parlay that into a first four appearance in Dayton and a loss. Uh, that's that's concerning, and it's concerning when you look at the home opener. Um, you know, I know they're coming off a loss, and I know they're not playing a, a name opponent, but the home opener, I think the listed attendance was like 4,800 for a 14,000-seat arena. Right. Um, and they're, you know, that's that's 4,800 listed. There weren't 4,800 there. So it's dire. Um, a win tonight would would go a long way, honestly. Uh, and after this one, they've got NC State in the – in the second of those early right. scheduled ACC games, and if you can win this one tonight and win on Saturday, then, hey, it looks a lot better. I mean, honestly, you, you have the talent. It's there. Uh, it just needs to come together. What's your thoughts on Penn State? I think Lamar Stevens is going to be a load to handle because, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, Olivier Saar has been really good, but Wake has – Every game now, Wake is going to be on borrowed time playing interior players. Uh, they have basically two post players with Olivier and Odie Baguama, who starts. And, in fact, you can sort of get away with that against Arizona. In fact, Arizona at the end of the game went with a small lineup. Yeah, yeah, and you can get away with that against most, but I'm not sure you can get away with that against Penn State. Um, you know, Wake had, in the span of, I think, two weeks, uh, two of their four post players go down with torn Achilles. Oof. So they're they're basically every practice, Olivier and Odie are banging up against each other, and then every game they're they've got ten fouls between them, and that's that's going to be a real issue more often than not, um, unless they're able to to work around it and work five guard lineups. You'll see some. John D. Brown at the four. You'll see Ishmael Masood, a, a six-eight freshman at the four, and he's yep. he's kind of a string bean right now. Um, and then Isaiah Musius uh, is a sophomore, and he's he's developing. He's he's getting bigger, but he's not big to the point where you think, oh, he's going to be able to to hold his own with a six-eight, two-twenty-five post player in there. Absolute pleasure, Colin. Please appreciate it so much. The time you gave us, the information you gave us was terrific. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate this and uh, looking forward to watching the game tonight. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, Yitor uh, Gross Matos uh, opting for the NFL draft. That has been expected for a year, so it's no surprise. Announcing it before the bowl game, fine. Uh, people are asking why are people uh, putting out their decisions now. I think the reason is is that they all now have their draft evaluations. And uh, the draft evaluation is first round, second round, or go back to school. Uh, so far, uh, now I'll read you Lamont Wade's uh, it's part of his Instagram post. In reading it, it seems like he's indicating he's coming back. Of course, I am not an expert on Instagram. As you all know. And, but Michael Menon has said he's coming back. Uh, Ricky Slade has said he's coming back. Pat Fryermuth says he is coming back. And then there was the, uh, the Instagram. Um, it was good to finally be back. Just imagine what's in store for next year. Hashtag one last ride. So it sort of seems to indicate that Lamont Wade is trending in the I'm coming so, back direction. Yeah, sounds like he's staying. I would I would go in that direction too. And uh, and I know a lot of Penn State fans, well, many many Penn State fans, would love to see KJ Hamler come back too, get another year under his belt. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about any of these guys. I, I don't know. It's not like I sat there and talked to anybody as to what they're going to do. I don't. I mean, pfft. Justin Shorter practiced on a Sunday night, the week of the Rutgers game. And I just talked to him briefly. Hey, how you doing? Da, da, da. Hey, great to see you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the 30 second, you know. And then I find out two days later he's going to leave. Okay. <laughs> So I'd, I'd never ask any player if they're coming back. I never do. Just never do. So when you look at Penn State as of today, how would it look today defensively? Obviously, you would have Windsor, of course, is going because he's a fifth-year player. Gross Matos is going. If everything were to hold... That would mean that Adisa Isaac and Jason Oway, Shaka Tony and Shane Simmons would be the four defensive ends with some experience. Then inside, P.J. Mustafa, Fred Hansard, Antonio Shelton, and then Judge Culpepper. Now you'll see how everybody else mixes in after that. Linebacker, Micah Parsons was named the linebacker of the year in the Big Ten. 
Jesse Lucchetta is, I think, has a chance to be a terrific player. Brandon Smith has a chance to be a terrific player. And then you look at Ellis Brooks. You know, everyone knows that they've recruited a player I can't get into. And also, Lucchetta can play the middle spot. Then we'll see how the secondary breaks down. If Wade indeed does come back, he'd be back there with Brisker. You also have Rudolph, who he's the one that recovered the onside kick in the uh, Rutgers game. By the way, has a lot of potential. Jonathan Sutherland, I'll tell you, a corner, they've got a lot of really good young corners. That's why I'm going to be very interested to see what they want to do with Daquan Hardy. Because I'll tell you right now, Daquan Hardy, I think, has a chance down the road to be a really good player. But as of today, no announcements yet for Tariq Castro Fields. Then the guys that can't make announcements, you know you have Keaton Ellis, you know you have Marquise Wilson, you know you have Trent Gordon, and you know you have Joey Porter. So they got a lot there. But Yitor, we've expected it for a year. And he is going to, uh, he does the right thing. He should go to the NFL Trusted draft. Choice Insurance agents are independent agents. I pledge to be your guide, not only to insurance, but to insurance companies. They don't actually work for any one insurance company. And to use my independence to identify the coverage that's best for you. This means they can customize policies from several companies in ways that other agents just can't. And they commit to that. And I pledge. In writing. Trusted Choice. You need an independent insurance agent. Purdy Insurance, your local trusted choice insurance agency. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. In the Sunbury Motor Studio on a Wednesday. Great to have you with us. Penn State, Wake Forest tonight. Santa, by the way, from 6 to 7, following our news block. And then at 8.30 tonight is the airtime extended pregame show. Not because it's a special game, but because it's a 9.15 start. So you can either pick 9 o'clock or 8.30. So obviously the choice was 8.30 to... Uh, Start the broadcast tonight as they play Wake Forest in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So thanks to Connor O'Neill, beat writer for the Winston-Salem Journal, who was on the show in the previous half hour. Tomorrow, Matt Lombardo from NJ.com, who's the Giants NFL writer, will talk about the situation with Eli Manning, the matchup with the Eagles on Monday night, and also Saquon Barkley. Ed Sherman, author of the book, This Is Big. Well, join us from Chicago tomorrow at 4.06, Monday, Johnny Holiday. My good friend, uh, as Johnny says, he says, if we lived a mile apart, he says, we probably <laughs> he said, we would be spending like two, three days a week seeing each other. It just I think the world of Johnny. He'll join us on Monday to preview Penn State, Maryland, which will be Tuesday night. And then Tony Knopp will join us next Tuesday. 
Next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, our high school football roundtable. This will be round two with a different uh, set of panelists. That way, in the end, we'll get six different opinions when it's all said and done on where high school football goes in our area and in the state. And our bowl picks are next Friday, since the first bowl games will be Friday the 20th. And the first bowl game is not just Friday the 20th, but it's actually at 2 in the afternoon before the show starts. So since that's the case, we'll do our bowl picks next Thursday. The bowl bids will come out on Sunday. Uh, obviously, at this point, it, it is it is the guessing game. Uh, and just in my own personal guess in the guessing game, I really do believe that, that Penn State has a legitimate shot and pathway to the Rose Bowl. Now, we'll see if that's what the committee thinks. But... So far, it's played out the way I thought it would. I, I said on Monday that when the new rankings came out on Tuesday night that Wisconsin would be in front of Penn State, but that I thought after this upcoming weekend, if things go the way I'm guessing they're going to go, uh, that Wisconsin would then be behind Penn State on Sunday. That's why I'm, I'm considering and thinking that the Rose Bowl is a possibility for Penn State. And not only that, a realistic possibility for Penn State. It looks like Michigan is going to get locked into the Citrus Bowl no matter what. It sounds like the Citrus Bowl really wants Michigan. So they're going to get them. And what they're really angling for in the Citrus Bowl is Alabama. So a Michigan-Alabama game is what they're angling for there. One is Ohio State. There is an incentive, as I said in the opening half hour of the show. There is an incentive... There's never really been a great incentive to be the number one team in this. There really hasn't been. Number one's always been nice to have going into the playoff. I think this is the first time where I think there's a genuine incentive to be the number one team going in. Why? It's the Clemson factor. Do you want to face Clemson in the semifinals? And I think if you were to ask Ohio State and LSU privately, beyond the bravado of, hey, we'll play anybody, I think they would prefer not to have Clemson in that spot and in the semifinals. Championship games, one thing. It's the way it goes. But in the semifinal, I think you'd, you'd like to idealistically avoid Clemson. So being a one actually does come into play. And I think you'll see between Ohio State and LSU, if, the, if they have the capability Saturday, Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, respectively, if, if they have the capability of providing a statement to be number one, I think you'll see them go for it. Because I think they want to avoid a semifinal that means Clemson. The LSU-Georgia game, Georgia doesn't have enough offense. I know I know LSU's defense has not played well. Well, let's just start with Ohio State-Wisconsin. Ohio State-Wisconsin. First time, five minutes into the third quarter, Wisconsin's right there with them. It was 10-7 Ohio State at halftime. Okay. Everyone talks about what Chase Young did in the game. Well, remember, too, Wisconsin sacked Justin Fields five times in that game. But I think the Ohio State offensive line is playing better now. And Dobbins is really playing well. 
idealistically what you want to do defensively is you want to get teams, especially Wisconsin, to play one-dimensional. Ironically, and maybe not ironically, factually, two of the three worst statistical games that Jonathan Taylor has had in his career have been against Ohio State. That's not a coincidence. Jack Cohn is coming off a 280-yard passing game against Minnesota, but let's face it, if you're Ohio State, you want Jack Cohn to beat you. And with all due respect to Jack Cohn, I don't think he can. So you've got that game. Then you have LSU-Georgia. Again, Georgia, their defense is really, really good. Their offense has really, really struggled. The Cager kid being out has really hurt them. Swift hurt his shoulder against Georgia Tech. I think he's going to play in the game, but he did go into the tent and evidently did hurt that shoulder. But he'll play. What's interesting about Georgia and Utah is this. Georgia currently is four, Utah is five. Utah will play Oregon Friday night. Remember, that game is Friday night. Utah and Oregon. Oregon has a terrific defense. Huntley, the quarterback, is a good player. Moss, the tailback, is a terrific player. What I found interesting is that when you sit down and start comparing resumes between the two, they keep talking about the quality wins, but you've got to look at the losses. This is where I look at Wisconsin, for example. Wisconsin has some quality wins, there's no doubt. But they lost to Illinois? Illinois is a good team. Illinois is a 6 and 6 team. Which now let's take that Wisconsin Illinois game, which I think is that is the big sore spot for Wisconsin. And now let's flip it to Georgia and Utah. What's Utah? Utah's one loss. Their one loss was to USC at the Coliseum. Yes, USC was down to their third-string quarterback, and USC won. But Moss, the running back, got hurt in the first quarter. It changed everything for Oregon. It changed everything for Utah. It changed everything for Utah, not having Moss in the lineup. USC played a terrific game, won it. But that game was at the Coliseum that Utah lost. And they lost with their first string tailback out. Okay. Now let's look at Georgia's loss. Um, How about at home? To not 22nd-ranked USC... But to unranked and mediocre South Carolina, oh, by the way, using their third-string quarterback. Why does Georgia get more preference? Same record. Now, I know you can talk about the quality of some of the Georgia wins. They beat Florida. They beat Auburn on the road. I get all credit to them for doing that. All credit for doing that. So, I mean, I'm with you there. But when you look at the one loss, Utah loses on the road to 22nd-ranked USC without their star tailback for three quarters. Albeit USC using their third-string quarterback, one. 
Okay, now let's go to Georgia. Lost at, not on the road, lost at home to a, not a ranked, a mediocre South Carolina team. Using Joyner, the third-string quarterback. Home, mediocre team, third-string quarterback. Okay? When you're in the business, which the committee is right now, a splitting hairs and parsing to find out how they want to select the fourth team. When I'm splitting hairs and parsing, I'm not coming up with Georgia. I'm coming up with Utah. Now, Utah has to beat Oregon. Then you've got Oklahoma-Baylor. The first quarter and a half of the Big 12 championship game, I think, tells us everything. Baylor at home was brilliant for two and a half quarters. Brilliant against Oklahoma. Couldn't have played any better. Charlie Brewer played a fantastic game. And then the last quarter and a half, Oklahoma kept coming and kept coming and finally caught him and passed him. So the first quarter and a half will tell us whether Oklahoma stays on that roll. And by the way, C.D. Lamb will be playing this week. That's huge. Lamb is a special player. Wow. The first quarter and a half, does Oklahoma pick up where they left off against Baylor? Or does Baylor come out of the gate and say, you know what, it's going to be different this time? I think Oklahoma wins. In fact, I think they win by, my guess is they win by a margin. My guess is Ohio State wins by a margin. My guess is LSU wins by a margin. I'm not going to bother getting into the Clemson-Virginia game. I'm not even going to bother with it. That's why I think there is a possibility, when the dust settles with this thing, that Penn State could, could be eight on Sunday. I think, it, I think it's a possibility. I can't read minds. I don't know any of these people in the room. I mean, I've met some of the people in the room, but I don't know any of them at all. But that's how I'm looking at it. Zach Wheeler signs a five-year, $118 million deal with the Phillies. So the Phillies get... There are two 1A prizes in all of this. And that happens to be Garrett Cole, obviously, and Steven Strasburg. The third, the 1B, not two, but the 1B, is Zach Wheeler. The Phillies got him. They're done. So the Phillies are not going to sign another. They are not going after Cole. They're not going after Strasburg. They're done. Wheeler is where they decide to put their eggs. Cole Hamels, meanwhile, leaves the Cubs, signs a one-year, $18 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. And St. Petersburg and the Tampa Bay Rays have decided to put a halt to the idea that the Rays will play half the year in St. Petersburg and half the year in Montreal which was a thoroughly, completely, totally ridiculous idea to begin with. I sat there and went, what? what? You, you went, what? 
came up with this idea. And the baseball winter meetings are next week. There'll be more on minor league baseball next week. By the way, uh, it's a V Foundation time. You'll see a lot, and justifiably so, about the wonderful, wonderful broadcaster, man, Stuart Scott, who passed away. Great broadcaster. Everybody, I never had a chance to meet him. Everybody says he's a terrific guy. And then basketball tonight, Penn State and Wake Forest. So you don't like the fact they're not going after Garrett Cole or Strasburg. That is, Sean, that is reserved for the Yankees or the Angels. That's to me where it resides. Either one of them would have been sweet, that's for sure. But just with uh, Bryce in the loop and bringing this guy in with, uh, you know, a a, a three-figure million-dollar uh, total in that deal, yeah, there's just uh, nothing there left. I would say nothing there left, just not as much. Yeah, you just can't. Well, now you have to take the uh, the money that you might have thought about giving to a Strasburg or a a Cole, and now you have to start distributing it around to fill in around him. I mean, you have to do that. It goes back to what I said years ago about Albert Pujols. Pujols and the Cardinals broke off what was the possibility of a 10-year, $225 million deal. Finally, Cardinal said, why do we want to commit $22.5 million a year to one guy? We need to move the money around and use that to get two or three guys a year. And he ended up signing a 10-year, $240 million deal with the Angels. In the end, as great a player as Pujols has been. Of course, he had several injury-plague seasons. He also had a few monster seasons with the Angels. But in the end, the Cardinals were probably right. And it goes back to what I talked about with the minor league baseball model, about how the majors don't want to commit money to players 33 years of age or older. Speaking of 33 or older, Eli Manning in all likelihood is the starting quarterback for the Giants on Monday night against the Eagles. Wow. How about that? Because Daniel Jones is hurt. Xavier Rhodes had an heated exchange on the sideline after he gave up a 60-yard touchdown pass in Monday night's game. Uh, He got burned by David Moore in the play. Good throw, of course, by Russell Wilson. So TV cameras uh, capture Rhodes brushing off linebacker Anthony Barr. And he got into a heated exchange with coach Mike Zimmer and slammed his helmet to the turf twice. Rhodes said, that's not the way I should carry myself, especially as a leader on this team and as somebody who wants to run for the Ward 4 in Danville. I'm sorry, that may have been an ad-lib there. I apologize definitely to Coach Zim and the things he's taught me. I should never react that way toward him or toward my team, period. I know my role. I need to play it better. 
I need to play better on the on that field, eliminate the penalties, and just do well. There's a lot more football going on right now. We still have a great chance of making it to the playoffs and still have a chance to win our division. Right now, I'm looking forward to doing that, helping my team day-to-day, minimize the penalties. I have that, I have that going on in each and every week and trying to better myself. Look, that's a quality statement. You know, Zimmer said the catalyst for the more touchdown was a busted coverage. He decided, he, and, and like a good coach, he declined to discuss what particular dis- defensive assignments were missed. Okay. You know, it's, 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 the coach didn't throw the player under the bus, and you can tell he refers to him as Coach Zim in there. That tells you he, he actually has a lot of respect for his coach. That tells you. Stuff like that happens. That happens. Hey, look, it's the heat of the moment stuff. You know, the number of times I have to calm Sean down. Oh, you're rough. It's been more than once. <laughs> I never have to calm you down. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? What, what, what you hear in the air from Sean Carey is what you get all the time. Now, every once in a while, especially early on, like the first six months, you get a little nervous if something wasn't quite working right. Yeah, I did, right? for sure. Right. Yep. Yep. And guess who said, yo, it's okay. <laughs> and after that, you started to think everything was like, oh, okay. Started to follow my lead. Got my vote of confidence from yours truly. Yeah. But at the same time, it was also like, hey, it's all right. We'll make it work. It's the way we do the show. It's like, but don't worry. We'll make it work. Something doesn't happen, we'll make up for it. Calmed you down right away. Yeah, like last Tuesday night when you called me after 10 o'clock when you are on the way to Brooklyn. Yeah, if that had been three and a half years ago, I'd be like, I mean, I would have needed the uh, oh, yeah. brown paper oh. bag. And But it's like, oh, no, that, but no. I mean, not even two minutes later, it's like, no, nope, we got this. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was all my fault. There's a piece of equipment I have to bring with me when I go on the road. And for years, right, I've had it every single time. That's right. Right? Well, with the talk show that night and everything else, I packed a bag, I threw stuff together, boom, 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 and it took off. I forgot it. Now, there's a way that we do, we can do the show without it, which is the way we did the show in Cancun. That's right. Right? So I called Sean up and said, hey, look, I told him, I said, Sean, look, I made a mistake. I blew it. I said, I forgot to bring the tower. We call it the tower. And it's a 4G tower. I said, I don't have it. I said, I said, maybe we can do this on Skype. And we worked it out. And Sean, of course, ever prepared, still had the cord that we used a year ago from Cancun. He still had it on his desk. Thank God. <laughs> that was made that was made specifically to do this. And that's how we that's how we did Friday's show. And it was all my fault. I mean, there's no no getting around it. It all worked out. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, so, look, we all make mistakes. I mean, no, and, I, and the fact that you keep reminding me of it, it's kind of bothersome. <laughs> All right, then you followed up what you did Saturday. Well, it's just... <laughs> Bring those numbers back up. Loyalty, loyalty points. Loyalty points, punch yep. card. Right here. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. I think we'll do that. Yeah. Th- thank you, my friend. You got to go talk to Pat. Yes. Have, have a great, have great call. Pat. Yeah, great call tonight. Thanks. Uh, don't forget, Santa 6 to 7, then Penn State basketball 830 on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.